This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Amiel Saleh and Hany Balkis. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse 95. It is me, Hannibal Qais, presenting to you today Future Talk. And ladies and gentlemen, hope you guys had a very nice long weekend. I know I did. You know, that four-day weekend, uh, the Eid holiday. I hope you guys had a great Eid holiday, Eid holiday and a great weekend as well. But ladies and gentlemen, obviously, we got to give you guys the tech news, everything that's happening new in the tech world. And we obviously have to talk about the Elon Musk and Twitter deal and how Twitter shares have fell over 44% over uh, over a couple percent over that $44 billion deal and how it is actually falling apart right now. We're also talking about how the UAE is going to train government employees in the blockchain and even virtual asset fields. And we have to talk about the James Webb Space Telescope and how US President Joe Biden has unveiled the first James Webb Telescope science image today and we're going to be talking all about that in just a few. We're also talking about how Apple will be replacing its first models of the MacBook Pro that were equipped with the touch bar to its list of vintage products until at the end of July. So if you do have a MacBook Pro with a touch bar, Apple does now consider that a vintage product. And I'm kind of upset because, uh, you know, I got my MacBook Pro back in 2019. It's already vintage. We're also talking about how Mark Zuckerberg is announcing a new Facebook Instagram update that will help creators get ready for the metaverse. Now, we do know that the metaverse is something coming soon. And uh, Meta, or better known as Facebook, is now at the forefront of getting things under wraps. Ladies and gentlemen, 4215, let us know your guys' thoughts. We are taking a short break, and when we come back, we're talking all about how Twitter shares are falling after Elon Musk does feel like he's backing out of the deal. Daily Digital News. Bits and bytes connect our world. Ladies and gentlemen, Twitter shares have fell over, you know, Musk's $44 billion Twitter deal and how it is now falling apart. Now, over the weekend, Elon Musk did say that he is considering or has considered to back out of the $44 billion Twitter deal. Now, because of that, the shares of Twitter have fell about 6% in pre-market trading that did happen yesterday as a legal tussle between Elon Musk and the social media company is expected to take center stage after Elon Musk did walk away from the $44 billion deal. Now, we do know that Elon Musk is the chief executive officer of Tesla, and he actually went and said on Friday that he was terminating his deal to buy Twitter because the company had breached multiple provisions of the merger agreement. Now, we do know there has been a lot of back and forth going on between Elon Musk and Twitter regarding, first of all, the pricing, and then second of all, the bot issue. Now, the bot issue was one of the main factors why Elon Musk has been very hesitant on continuing with the purchase of Twitter. Now, on Monday, Elon Musk did even take a jab at Twitter's stance, and he, he went and tweeted that the legal battle would lead the company to disclosing information on bots and spam accounts in a court of law. Now, it does seem that the most thing that is annoying Elon Musk is spam accounts and bots, and apparently he knew about it, but he wanted Twitter to be more clear about it, more transparent about it. Now, when we're looking at, you know, this, how, you know, the public response to it, uh, the series of tweets from Musk was the first public response since the Friday announcement, and that's all he has said so far. 
Now, when we look at the business side of things, Twitter shares have ended at $36.81 on Friday, and we're at 32% discount to Musk's $54.20 bid, as they have been hit by a double whammy of a slump in the broader equity market and investor skepticism over the deal. So we are looking at, you know, Twitter share, shares falling 6%. And, uh, you know, Elon Musk did try to buy it for $54.20. And now they have ended at 36.81. So a 5, 6%, uh, you know, fall in shares. Now, we're looking at how analysts have saying that they believe that Elon Musk's intentions to terminate the merger are more based on the recent market sell-off than, you know, Twitter's failure to kind of comply with his request. So, you know, they're looking at how Elon Musk is maybe using the spam bot account thing more as a, you know, a scapegoat than the actual problem, which was the market and the bear market itself. Now, in the absence of the deal, we would not be surprised to actually see the stock find a floor at around 23.5. So we are looking at how, you know, Twitter stock right now is plummeting. And uh, if you do have Twitter stock, you know, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a stockbroker or anything, but it does seem like it is the time to sell. Now the contract is calling for Musk to pay Twitter a one billion dollar breakup fee if he cannot complete the deal for reasons such as the acquisition, you know, financing falling through, or even regulators blocking the deal. Now the breakup fee would not be applicable, however, if Musk actually terminates the deal on his own. So, uh, you know, we are looking at how Elon Musk does have to pay one billion dollars. Maybe uh, we are looking at how Twitter might be pursuing Elon Musk and take him to court over that one billion dollar deal because obviously we're looking at shares that were at one point fifty dollars up, uh, you know, plummeting down to thirty six, and you know a lot of uh, experts are saying it go down to twenty three dollars. So uh, it's not a good look for Twitter and their market share and market cap. But ladies and gentlemen, four two one five. I want to know what you think about this deal and is Elon Musk going to continue forward with exiting out the deal. Our text lines are open. We are taking a short break. And when we come back, we're talking all about the blockchain and how government employees right here in the UAE are learning all about it. Daily Digital News. Bits and bytes connect our world. Ladies and gentlemen, I have great news if you are an employee working for the UAE government. Well, why? Because the UAE is going to train government employees in blockchain and virtual asset fields. Now, the program will teach participants about the economic opportunities and even risks in the blockchain sector, as well as the regulatory and even political perspectives across the UAE and the Middle East. Now, the UAE government has signed an initial agreement with the U.S.-based blockchain data platform, which goes by the name of Chain Analysis. Now, they will be training the public sector employees in the fields of blockchain and virtual assets. Now, the Emirati, Emirati Minister of State for Artificial Intelligence, Digital Economy, and Teleworking Applications, Omar bin Sultan al-Ulama, has signed the, you know, the Memorandum of Understanding, which does set out the creation of a virtual learning program for government employees. Now, he did say that blockchain technology is key to create uh, you know, innovative solutions for future challenges, which do contribute to developing government work and even new technologies that do enhance the UAE's leading position globally. Now, the program will teach participants about the economic opportunities and risks in the blockchain sector. And, you know, we also did see that the co-founder of Chainalysis said that, uh, you know, where others wait by the sidelines, the UAE has taken commendable steps towards establishing itself 
as a global blockchain and even crypto hub. Now, he was referring to the UAE's progressive stance on blockchain technology, which, by the way, is being one of the first countries to even embrace the futuristic sector. Now, if we go back and look at 2018, the UAE government even launched a nationwide strategy, and it is it does go by the name of to transform 50% of government transactions into the blockchain platform. Now, since then, the country has been launching initiatives to further promote the technology in the private sector. Now, he also went on and said, uh, you know, that they are honored to be selected by the UAE to play a supporting role in upskilling government entities through knowledge in blockchain and that they have potential to serve as one of the essential digital tools in promoting a robust digital economy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it's been very obvious that the UAE has been very prominent on, you know, exceeding and advancing the te technological sector right here in the country. And even His Highness uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, who is, you know, the UAE Prime Minister and uh, Vice and uh, you know ruler of Dubai, he went on with the you know 100,000 coders initiative, and he was giving coders uh, you know golden visas. And if you fit in the specific category and you had the requirements and prerequisites, you know you could be eligible to get that golden visa. So again, you know, we are looking at the UAE v being very prominent on you know giving us a way to get into the blockchain and to AI and to, you know, the future as a whole when it does come to technology. And, you know, the UAE has been very, you know, forefront with that. And right here in Sharjah as well, you know, we do have a lot of initiatives going on and even the Sharjah Research Technology and, uh, you know, Innovation Park, we have seen a lot come out of it as well. And a lot of students have been going there. And if we go to the capital, we do see that, you know, Mohammed bin Zayed University is also, you know, giving out AI courses, machine learning courses. And, you know, they have just been going, you know, wild when it does come to getting us ready for the future. And this is just one more way for employees in the government sector to be ready for the future as well. But I want to know what you are doing to get ready for the future. 4215, ladies and gentlemen, we are taking a short break. But when we come back, we got a lot of news for you. Don't miss out. Keep it locked right here on Pulse95. Check this out. Check this out. Pulse95. Ladies and gentlemen, a historical moment has been given upon us. And we're talking all about the James Webb Space Telescope. Now it has released its first images of the universe's deepest and darkest secrets. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one of the first full-color images taken by this telescope was released by U.S. President Joe Biden on Monday in a step towards uncovering the universe's deepest secrets. Now, the unveiling did take place during a live stream event during which NASA did publish a stunning high-resolution image of the ancient universe that was brimming with a dizzy kaleidoscope of galaxies that were previously invisible to humankind. Now, NASA did take it, obviously, to Twitter to tweet about it, and the tweet goes like this. It's here the deepest, sharpest infrared view of the universe to date. Now, it was previewed by the President of the United States on July 11th, and it does show galaxies once invisible to us all, and now it is visible. Now, the remaining images are set to be released on NASA today again, as they are giving, you know, the first image and then the other images will follow suit. Now, let's give you a little bit brief about the James Webb Space Telescope. Now, the $10 billion telescope is the most powerful observatory ever sent into space, and it is equipped with a 6.5-meter gold-plated mirror. The telescope should be able to take or look into the further corners of the universe and even snap images of light from galaxies 
that formed a little after the Big Bang. Now, because of the telescope's infrared capabilities, the universe is giving up secrets that had been there for many, many decades, centuries, and even millennia. Now, we are looking at how NASA's science mission chief said that in a briefing, and we are looking at a very positivity when it does come to uncovering more of space's secrets. Now, the first image which was released is of the deep field, which is a long-lasting observation of, you know, space, and it's meant to reveal faint objects from the universe. Now, NASA did say the telescope did capture the image by pointing its main imager towards galaxy clusters that do go by the name of SMAX 0723, which does bend the light of objects far behind them towards the observer, which is an effect called gravitational lensing. Now, part of the image will include light from not too long after the Big Bang Theory. And we are looking at how Webb's infrared capabilities are allowing it to peel time even further back than any other telescope did before it. And we're looking at peeling time up to 13.8 billion years ago. So we are looking at how this telescope did unveil a lot of things and the list goes on and on and on. If you want to know more about what this telescope has unveiled, you can go over to NASA's website. But we are looking also at something I like, you know, the most, which is the Southern Ring Nebula. And it's nearly half a light year in diameter and around 2,000 light years away from Earth. And they call it the Eight Burst Nebula, which does consist of an expanding cloud of gas that surrounds a dying star. Something out of Star Wars, something out of, you know, even Marvel. When I hear about dying star, I remember, you know, Avengers Endgame and when Thor was trying to, you know, get his new weapon. I do believe it's called the Stormbreaker. Yes, it's called the Stormbreaker, and he formulated it from a dying star. Ladies and gentlemen, sounds a little bit sci-fi, but it's now non-fiction. 4215, ladies and gentlemen, let us know your guys' thoughts if you've seen these images or not. If you want, you can go to NASA's website or go to NASA's Twitter. They got all the websites or they got all the images on their website. 4215, ladies and gentlemen, we are taking a short break. And when we come back, we're talking all about Apple and how they will be placing the first models of MacBook Pros and name them as vintage. Check this out. Check this out. Oh, 95. Ladies and gentlemen, I have some not-so-pleasant news if you are a MacBook user who has a touch bar because Apple will be placing its first models of the MacBook Pro that are equipped with the touch bar to its list of vintage products at the end of July. And I kind of saw this coming. I'll tell you why, ladies and gentlemen. Now, over the Eid holiday, I took my MacBook Pro to the Apple Store and I gave it to them. I said, how much would you give me an appraisal on it? And they told me, 1,500 dirhams. Can you imagine that? A device that one time costed 6,000 dirhams, Apple will buy it back for you from you for 1,500 dirhams. Now, obviously, we can see the reason why is because they all have Intel chips, and Apple is coming out with the M chips or the M series, and they have now went on to phase two of the M chips with the M2 chips. Now, Apple Apple does regularly, you know, designate its hardware as vintage or obsolete over time, with a small list of much-loved products you know, co-sign with the vintage collection each year. Now, for July of this year, the edition does include the first touch bar equipped products. Now, the list of products that will be vintage do include the 2016 editions of the 13-inch and 15-inch MacBook Pros, along with the 2016 12-inch MacBooks and the 2015 MacBook Air. Now, an internal memo that was obtained by a rumor site does state 
that the list also does include the 2015 21.5-inch Mac and the 2015 Retina 5K 27-inch Mac. Now, Apple will also be deeming the 9.7-inch iPad Pro as vintage at the same time, and the memo also did continue. All products will be designated as vintage on July 31st. So, these vintage classifications uh, you know, are given to products after five years and after Apple has stopped distributing it for sale. Now, I mean, I understand, you know, the reason behind that, behind that, and I understand that they no longer want to sell it. But, you know, naming a product vintage kind of does, you know, devalue the product in such a way that even for resale, some people might not want it anymore. Now, a vintage classification is given, you know, like I said, after five years after the product has been stopped. Now, we are looking at how vintage products aren't typically serviced as easily as non-vintage items, but it's possible for parts to become available, you know, and it can be serviced, you know, in rare circumstances. Now, after seven years of unavailability, a product is named or deemed obsolete and are not eligible for hardware servicing at Apple stores or even authorized repair centers with no exceptions. So we're looking at, you know, let's say you have a vintage, and I do it with air quotes, a vintage MacBook Pro, and you go to the Apple store, they will not service it. And if you even go to iStyle, which is an authorized reseller, distributor, and service center, they will not service it as well. Now, the addition of the MacBook Pro model to the list would be fitting for the touch bar as it is a feature that Apple has completely distanced itself from in its current roster. Now, out of all the MacBook Pro models that are available for sale, the 13th inch MacBook Pro is the last to use it. So obviously, when we looked at the, you know, the touch bar, it wasn't really recommended per se. Now, when they came out with the touch bar, it was amazing, you know, groundbreaking technology. I personally have the touch bar and I don't use it at all. So it was an extra piece of hardware, extra piece of expense that not many people liked and also overheated quite a lot. So, you know, with the touch bar, I didn't like it as much. I like my physical keys on a laptop. Now, if I had an iPad and I was using things on the iPad, you know, that's where it defers. But I have a laptop. I'm using my laptop. I want all physical keys. I don't want anything touch with it. But I understand where, you know, Apple is coming from. But to name it vintage does kind of devalue the product. But 4215, ladies and gentlemen, let me know what you think about Apple naming or deeming, uh, you know, these products as vintage. Does it ruin your image as you walking around with a vintage MacBook? And we do know that people like MacBooks because of the aesthetic behind it. All of a sudden, you buy a MacBook. All of a sudden, you're working on Starbucks. You're working in Starbucks, and it just seems that people get MacBooks, and then they got work to do in a coffee shop. 4215, ladies and gentlemen. But this does end Future Talk for today. I'll be seeing you guys tomorrow. Same time, same place, only here on Pulse95. But I'm going to be leaving you guys with a song called Dance With Me by Deplo.